Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Football. That's why we love it. Welcome to the Premier League post-match pod from TalkSport as we review another bonkers weekend in the world's best football league. Coming up, the reigning champions can see more goals in a top-flight game than they have in one match since 1963. Jamie Carragher said it was the worst defensive performance he'd ever seen by the champions of England, nonetheless. Villa were magnificent. 60 football from Mourinho's men as United pulled apart at Old Trafford. Solskjaer was once their sunshine, their only sunshine. They made them happy when skies were grey. Now the Red Devils supporters are asking if it's time to take their Solskjaer away. Everton and Aston Villa are the only teams with 100% records. What is it, the 1880s? Also, Bielsa comes out with a moral victory in the Philosopher's Derby. We have an exclusive Kai Havertz interview as Chelsea thrash Crystal Palace and David Moyes teaches everyone the benefits of working from home. All on the podcast that has called the cops on the Liverpool defence because everyone knows in this climate you can't let in seven. The Game Day Premier League post-match podcast from TalkSport. This is game day. Ah, yes, it's me, Sam Matterface, and Matt Holland, the man described by Mick McCarthy as a proper captain from the uh, Republic of Ireland team of 2002, and the man I usually introduce as a transfer guru for Talk Sport. But Andy Cole is not having any of that. He said, No, I'm not having him anymore. Uh, Alex Crook, hello. Hello, how are we? Good. And Matt, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I wouldn't even skip her at the World Cup. Yeah, well, he, but he said it was a captain's performance in 2002. He, he, I, I, I can't believe... Were you not skip her? You put the armband on after Keno had left? No, Steve, Steve Staunton was the captain at, at the uh, at the World Cup. But, um, you know, listen, he, he, um, he was a top man, Mick. Absolute top man. And um, it's nice to hear those things being said about you. Yeah, OK, even if you weren't the captain. <laughs> uh, Andy Cole... Um, and Alex Crook had a bit of a falling out on the uh, Sunday session this week. I don't think you treated him with the requisite respect, by the way. Yeah, I thought you were alluding to that. I mean, when you get summoned into the headmaster's study, uh, my instant reaction is to come out swinging. Um, but yeah. I, I, I'd call Cole. it a score draw. I'd call Cole. it a score draw. You should probably... Yeah, but if he wasn't Solskjaer's mate, he wouldn't be defending him, would he? Come on. Um, what the hell is going on? Liverpool concede seven goals. Uh, United lose 6-1 at home to Tottenham. Jose is playing champagne football. Sheffield United score a goal and Chelsea keep a clean sheet. And then Patrice Evra resigns on air because he just can't stand to watch anymore. My head is frazzled. 
But not that surprising. Crook and I were talking earlier in the weekend and I said to him, it's going to be a strange season. Loads of teams have retooled. They've not got uh, the uh, the requisite rest. They've got good coaches. Others not as good as they think they are. And whereby uh, there is a massive gap. There has been a massive gap between some of the top sides and the bottom sides. That seems to have concertinaed up a little bit. And then you factor in COVID. No crowd. Loads of games, etc., etc. It was bound to have and in fact, Matt, what happened? What on earth went on? Honestly, I don't know where to start. At two o'clock, I thought West Ham are the big story. <laughs> West Ham go to Leicester and win 3-0. And then the rest of the day happens. I am actually sat here with not actually knowing what has quite happened today. It's actually ridiculous. Talk Sports' Stuart Pearce is, is ripping it up for West Ham. David Moyes is in his bed at home. <laughs> and West Ham start winning games. What's going on? And then obviously the, the Liverpool and, and well Man United results. I'm just I'm just honestly my mouth is just still at the floor. Can't yeah. believe what I've seen today. Jaw has been dropped. So shall we start at Villa Park? Aston Villa seven, Liverpool two. Jack Grealish, no mistake this time. Once again, the uh, defender Robertson called absolutely wanting. He got away down the left-hand side too easy, kept his composure, slotted it home. Aston Villa seven, Liverpool two. We're playing against an exceptional team and I thought we were exceptional tonight. Uh, from from Emmy Martinez with the saves he made at the early on in the game to you know uh, the subs who came on at the end it was just a tremendous performance and one that you don't get too often. Now they go away and it can be an advantage as well. I'm not sure. Um, I hope they come back healthy. That's my first concern. If they come back healthy, then um, yeah we have two days time to prepare Everton and that's um, a massive one and we will see. Yes, Reds missed. No Mane, no Allison, And it was a real slugfest. Uh, Liverpool, rocky in defence. And Adrian grappling thin air. But this was about how well Aston Villa played, yes? I mean, they've got to give them serious respect. Liverpool's defence was absolutely abysmal. Joe Gomez had to be taken off to save himself. But they were a brilliant going forward, weren't they, Matt Holland? So they were a Hawkeye goal away from going down last season. <laughs> yeah, true. Stayed up by a point. And the difference this season is so marked, it's frightening. I, saw, I was at Fulham on Monday and was so impressed with them. Now, Ollie Watkins, for the money, there was a lot of people raising their eyebrows. Can he do it in the Premier League? He was brilliant at Fulham. He didn't score, but his movement, the way he toyed with the defenders, ran him into the channels, his hold-up play, he was good in the air. I thought they've signed a real player and they did it again to Liverpool today. <laughs> you know, I, the, the business they've done this summer, the goalkeeper needed changing, they got they needed a helping goal. Emilio Martinez comes in. Matty Cash, I've been massively impressed with. The signing of Ross Barkley from Chelsea, amazed that Chelsea let him go out on loan. Um, Ollie Watkins, I've mentioned already, Traore to come in. The business they've done this summer has been exceptional. And today they were brilliant. You're right, Liverpool weren't great. They missed Mane. They missed Henderson. They say defending starts at the front. And Mane against Chelsea, you saw him, you know, he's closing down. His desire to, to, to stop yeah, it they, they from source. Right at the top, Henderson, don't they, yeah. 
Henderson exactly the same in midfield. They missed those two massively. And of course, the goalkeeper. But take nothing away from Aston Villa. It's their day. A brilliant performance. Let's talk a little bit more about Ollie Watkins, uh, Crook, because we saw, um, he said, how high they played. We fancied ourselves today. We maybe didn't expect (laughs) to register seven goals, but we certainly thought that we could win today. And then he called himself out and said, I should have had a lot more. I should have scored five. And he gave. He was actually giving himself a dressing down in the post-match interview. To which Patrick, who a brilliant interviewer, turned around and said, "Ollie, Ollie, 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 don't be too harsh on yourself. You scored a hat trick against the champions." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's refreshing in a way, and and shows the high standards that Ollie Watkins has on a personal level. That he scored a hat trick against the champions, and it still isn't satisfied. I remember speaking um, after the first weekend of the season, and. and po- posing the question have Leeds United set down a blueprint now for the rest of the country how you should play against Liverpool well the answer based on Aston Villa's performance today is an emphatic yes because as you say they they realised they could press high up the field they knew quite cannily that Adrian isn't as comfortable with the ball at his feet as clearly um, the regular number one goalkeeper is and, and they exploited that ruthlessly but it does beg the question and we've talked about Liverpool's Lack of activity. Okay, that's changed with Thiago coming in and, and Jota as well. But defensively, is Gomez ready to be the regular long-term partner alongside Virgil van Dijk? And on the basis of what we saw on Sunday, you have to say no. He's, he's looking at his two centre-halves today, Harry Maguire and Joe Gomez, and thinking, oh, how the hell are these going to get me through a European Championship? I think what we have to start factoring in, uh, Matt, is, is, is considering these results in the context of the environment that we're currently in. And people don't get it. And I know that, that Crook isn't wholly convinced by the whole of this. But I've spoken to Chelsea staff this week, United staff this week, England staff this week, the Wales staff, and they all say the same thing. A lack of pre-season, a lack of time off, a lack of cohesion, no tours in which the players go away and integrate themselves with one another, play PlayStation together, drink that dodgy tea or have a coffee to bond on. COVID itself, which players have contracted, it robs you of, of them being in your team. But also people who have had it, some of them are affected for a time after. And one coach has said to me this week, I've watched our team play at 60% and for all of the reasons that I've just listed above. So we are going to get some strange results and we might have to get used to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long that'll last and and how long that excuse lasts, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the players are struggling. You can see the the teams are at different levels. Now, Crystal Palace against United was a prime example. Crystal Palace had four pre-season games. And then they'd had three competitive games before they played United at Old Trafford. United had had one pre-season game. And and so the difference in the two was massive in terms of the fitness levels. And I think that's the case throughout the league. So we're not quite sure where all the teams are at, where all the individuals are at. And I think that's difficult to know when that will start to even itself out. It's not an excuse for some of the defending we're seeing. It, you know, some of the defending is... is quite honestly ludicrous um, so there's no excuse for that but the players are at different levels physically and I think that is showing Some breaking news from Jurgen Klopp in his post-match press conference Alisson has no chance of playing in the Merseyside derby against Everton four weeks is possible six weeks more likely how big a problem is that? Dominic Calvert-Lewin has just licked his lips he is well, excited have. about it yeah 
Everton have. I mean, look, Everton, you know, four games, four wins, desperate to win a derby. It's absolutely made up, made for them, isn't it now? And it's live on TalkSport at 12.30 on the Saturday after the international break. There's a lot to get through uh, between now and then. Last time Aston Villa scored seven at uh, Villa Park in the Premier League, I think it was Wimbledon in the mid-90s, I think. Well, I mean, we're going back a very, very long way uh, since the last time that Villa performed like this. Dean Smith, we said earlier in the week, me and Crook, we were talking, deserves a bit of credit for his recruitment. And boy, he seems to have done well, Crook. Absolutely. And not only, um, sorry, just recruiting, but also melding them into the team, integrating them into the team. That very quick sort of jettisoning in of Ross, Ross Barkley has, has, has worked. It worked really well today. And, and fair play to him. He wasn't afraid to chuck Ross Barkley straight into a massive game uh, against the champions. That decision was thoroughly vindicated. We've talked about Ollie Watkins already. I think their business has been astute. I want to talk about Jack Grealish as well, though, um, because he got a lot of plaudits last season, Jack Grealish, but I never felt, and this seems churlish to say, that he was playing to the full level of his capabilities. This season, I think he's kicked on another level. And I wonder, Matt, and you'll have been at clubs when there's been transfer speculation about you, the fact he's committed his future and those newspaper stories about him leaving have gone away, has that freed the shackles in a way? Has that allowed him to express himself more than we've seen in the past? I thought it was good last year, if I'm if I'm honest. And, and the reason, you know, the reason why a lot of clubs were looking at him was because of his performances last season. So I don't think it was it was that he wasn't playing particularly well last year, or, or not perhaps at his level. Um, yeah, maybe maybe he has gone up a, a notch, and he's you know he's probably enjoying the fact that that Villa have spent some money, spent it wisely, and and are in a great position now to kick on. Um, just just quickly on Ross Barkley, I think that was a big call today from Dean Smith because, again, Conor Halran scored against Fulham and was excellent against Fulham and he left him out. He recognised that he needed the legs of, of Ross Barkley, the energy of Ross Barkley to run beyond the high line at times as well, something that Conor Halran doesn't do. But it was harsh on Conor, Conor because he was so good. But it's, you know, sometimes as a manager, you have to make those calls, the tough decisions, the hard calls. And he did it. And, and, you know, he was rewarded with a a performance from Ross Barkley as well. I wonder whether or not the Jack Grealish thing also comes about with he's got almost sort of sucked extra air into his lungs and puffed his chest out. He's now an England international as well. And he knows the standards that he's going to have to keep if he's going to stay in Gareth Southgate's plans, especially in his position. We've already talked about it over the last three or four weeks. There's a lot of competition for places. And actually, at the moment, he's one of those who are competing to play on the left-hand side of, of midfield or right-hand side of midfield, one of the three going forward behind the striker, that he's actually performing very well indeed. Some of the others aren't. Foden's been left out. Madison's not fit. So all of a sudden, you know, it opens up a little bit and he starts sensing that he's got a chance. What he needs now is, is Gareth Southgate to show faith in him. And, and then that, then he'll feel more part of it. Mm. If he if he feels as though Gareth Southgate gives him a, a fair chance and a good chance, then all of a sudden he'll turn up at the England setup and feel as though he's a real part of it as well. So that'll help him. Okay, let's get to the rest of Sunday Fun Day as Mourinho returns to Old Trafford. This could get even more embarrassing for Manchester United. Harry Kane is poised. Could this be six for Spurs? Kane against De Gea. Kane pauses. Now, the quick step up, smashes it in. And De Gea, well, he's on the floor, prostrate as Harry Kane has just cracked in number six from the penalty spot. 
Well, it was bad already. And now it is Manchester United 1, Tottenham Hotspur 6. It's just a horrible feeling. It's the worst day I've had uh, as a Man United uh, manager or player. But um, I've been part of big defeats before and we've bounced back. So we've just got to let the boys who go away on internationals go try to find their mojo themselves and the, the others that are going to stay here, we've got to help them. Well, this is the moment that we've been waiting for. It's Manchester United 1, Tottenham 6. United absolutely destroyed. Crooks had another rant about uh, the transfer policy, Edison Cavani, etc., etc. We expect that by the time you're listening to this podcast, the Edison Cavani move and the Alex Tellez move will have been, if not formalised, certainly moved a very uh, big step closer to completion. Uh, those two players certainly add a little bit of experience to a team that looked all at sea in a game against Tottenham after being handed, Alex, a fantastic leg up in the first two minutes. Incredible. Uh, <laughs> if you'd have said to anybody that United would be given a penalty in, inside the first couple of minutes, score it and then concede six at home, I think they'd have thought you were mad. But I mean, the way they capitulated after that first time, in the Premier League era, they've conceded four goals at home in a first half. <laughs> Joint record equaling Premier League defeat. I mean, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Perhaps the red card was a bit harsh on Anthony Martial. The red card was ridiculous. I mean, it's but he shouldn't have raised his arms. No, he shouldn't have done, but it's two yellow no, cards. No. I mean, I spoke to the PGMOL about this, and I think the common consensus is, is two yellow cards would have been right. But because it was not a clear and obvious error... The VAR couldn't intervene and ask Anthony Taylor to go and have a look at the monitor, which again in itself is not common sense and ridiculous. But anyway, apart from that, Matt, as Crook said, it was so disjointed once again, lethargic once again. They've kept just one clean sheet in their last seven home fixtures. They conceded six today. The defence is a serious problem, but the attack needs help as well because there's three young players up there that aren't scoring goals and don't look like they're going to trouble anybody. The warning signs were there against Brighton. Brighton scored three, could have had six. Tottenham, Tottenham did score six against them. Yeah. Defensively, Luke Shaw's positioning all over the show. Absolutely all over the show. I'm not sure where he's going. At one point, he's playing centre-half, leaves the space out. Maguire has to go out there. Then he vacates the position where Son scores. It's, it's frightening, some of the defending and decision-making from Luke Shaw. The space in midfield, there's no mobility. Matic... Pogba doesn't want to defend. And, and the worst thing about Pogba not wanting to defend is that because he doesn't want to defend, he actually doesn't defend. And you talked about Luke Shaw getting sucked into the middle and causing problems. For one of the goals in particular, I can't even remember which one it was, there's so many of them, Pogba then has Serge Aurier, it was Serge Aurier's goal, coming on the outside of him. And instead of actually trying a leg to get back and even impede him taking the shot, he doesn't bother. Well, at that point, he's playing left midfield. I mean, it's, it, honestly, it, it was it was frightening. Playing out from your own six-yard box. I mean, look, I'm the first one to say I want my teams to try and play football. <laughs> absolutely. But when, you you know, Eric Bayer gives a ball away like he did, I mean, it's just Crazy. absolutely baffling. Absolutely baffling. Do you know what I thought was significant? It was not necessarily what happened on the pitch, but it was what happened after. First of all, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was grinning as he made his way back to the tunnel. You've just conceded six at home. Secondly... The player they put forward to face the television camera and therefore answer some difficult questions 
was not Harry Maguire, the captain, was not David De Gea, who is the longest serving player who played this afternoon, was not Paul Pogba, who is a, a World Cup winner with France. It was Luke Shaw, the left back. Now, what does that say to you about the leadership in the Manchester United dressing room? Harry Maguire should have been the player facing the cameras. That is standard procedure, Matt Holland. If you suffer a heavy defeat like that at home, you send out a senior player or the captain. Well, Harry Maguire's had a really tough start to the season. He, he's had his three poorest performances in the United shirt so far. Um, and he's obviously got a situation hanging over him which isn't helping him, I don't think, in terms of his performances. I think when you're you're going through a a difficult time, um, like he is, it can either galvanise you or it it can really affect you on the pitch. And he's been affected on the pitch as well with his performances, I would suggest. Uh, I've been in that situation a number of times. You know, believe me, a a team that's fighting relegation at times in the Premier League, you're going to get beaten and heavily. And I, I was always the first one to go and do the press afterwards mm. because I was the captain. Simple as that. You know, you, you're, you feel responsible and you are responsible for that dressing room. So, yeah, I'll be the first one to, to go and do that. But he's having a tough time and they, they're obviously trying to shield him. And um, I don't know. I, it, it's a strange one that it's Luke Shaw who, who probably was, was United's poorest performer. I think I, I looked at the Manchester Evening News. He got a 0 out of 10 for his performance today. I mean, that, that, it's absolutely fry, honestly. I, that, there were a few ones, but he was the lowest with a zero. Um, What's interesting, and again, this might change um, by the time you're listening to this podcast, but my understanding is they are open to sending Brandon Williams out on loan. Southampton are keen to sign him. It's up to the player if he wants to go there and and not necessarily be guaranteed game time. But surely the way Shaw is performing, he's someone you want to keep in the building. Well, it does make sense. I mean, it looks looks like they're going to get Tellers, doesn't it? So, left back. And Brandon Williams actually is right-footed and and predominantly a right-back. They just let Dallow go out on loan. Yeah, they haven't got an alternative right-back. I'm not sure why Williams would be allowed to go out on loan. Uh, anyway, let's go back to Tottenham Hotspur because we haven't mentioned too much about their performance. They've scored six at Old Trafford. It's worth championing and celebrating because they played very well and they were certainly ruthless in front of goal. Harry Kane dropping deep, creating more, has led to him breaking the record for the number of assists at this time of a season. Absolutely sensational performance from him. He scored as well and is leading that team in a slightly different role. Gareth Bale hasn't even put on a Tottenham shirt and got onto the pitch yet, but it seems to me like he's having a massive impact because he's made the others raise their game he scored that they've scored five at Southampton seven on Thursday night six against Manchester United this is now a fantastically entertaining ruthless team to watch Matt yeah and and you're right because we've given Villa credit for their performance against Liverpool as as we should do we should exactly do the same for Spurs they were brilliant you know, they consider that early goal, the way they bounce back, the Kane Son partnership at the moment, the way that's working is right. outstanding. You know, you mentioned the way that Kane's intelligence of dropping off, Son making the runs in behind. Aurier played like a man that was upset that they'd signed Matt Doherty. He was e- exceptional. Hoybier, I thought, was, was very good in the middle of the pitch as well. I've, I've said before, I wouldn't necessarily think I'd be his biggest fan. But he did exactly what he needed to do in the middle of the pitch today. He kept things simple, although he did play one brilliant through ball as well for the goal. Um, I thought he was outstanding. There was a a lot of good individual performances, but the Kane-Son partnership at the moment is is something to behold. It really is. It's, It's so clever. 
Leicester were beaten at home by West Ham United by three goals to nil. And on any other given Sunday, this would have been back page headlines uh, because David Moyes is sitting in a hotel room somewhere or a small room in an apartment on his own, self-isolating after contracting COVID-19, working from home on a phone to Stuart Pearce, who kept running up and down the uh, King Power Stadium stands down to have a quick word in the word in the ear of Alan Irving, who then relayed it onto the pitch. It was like one of those old Chinese whispers sessions. But ultimately, Ultimately, this team look absolutely fantastically committed to the cause. And that is all that West Ham United fans have been asking for, Alex. Absolutely. And and you can see that David Moyes, even in his absence, is, is making an imprint on that team now. Everybody knows their jobs. I think they found a formula uh, with Bowen and Fournals up in support of Mikhail Antonio, who continues to go from strength to strength that continually causes opposition defences problems. Suchek and Rice are forming a great partnership in the middle of the park. Defensively, they look a lot more solid. I think having the, the reassuring presence of Fabianski there certainly helps. They missed him a lot last season. But it's going to be interesting to see what David Moyes does now because we all know that footballers and, and football managers are very superstitious characters. <laughs> so, so does he come back to the dugout <laughs> or does he stay at home and keep managing remotely until they lose another game? It, it might well be the latter. Matt, it, you're superstitious. What would you do? No, it, I, I, well, I'd, I'd be back at the game probably, but I used to wear the same pants I'd worn the week before if, if we'd won or something like that because <laughs> we are superstitious. We, I used to put my left boot on first then my right you know we get we do these stupid things we all do but it's um it crookie's absolutely right though about the front three because you think about the money they spent haller anderson yarmolenko all of a sudden they've got antonio bowen four nows who are fighting for the shirt antonio's been brilliant up front as well but that's why the recruitment should be praised because ever since they handed it back over to david moyes he's recruited players that will not only fight for the shirt, work their socks off, do what he's asked them to do and buy into his tactical framework, but all, every single one of them has delivered. And, and you know, Vladimir Kufal, who is this huge, hulking right back who came in and plugged a hole that was vacated by Fredericks and, that the Fredericks, and they've had real difficulties there uh, previously. Ben Johnson, I think, played in midweek. He did a fantastic job. He said before the game, and you knew you were going to be scared of him because of the way he looks and the way he stands up, but also when he turned around and went, I'm not afraid of the Premier League. I've played in the Champions League and the Europa League semi-finals. Move on. So we will. Uh, Arsenal beat Sheffield United by two goals to one. Uh, Arsenal pretty dominant uh, in that game. They had a couple of good chances which they took. Sheffield United... Well, they scored a goal towards the end, but it was one of those world-class sort of like hits from the edge of the penalty area from David McGoldrick, which you see once in a blue moon rather than any sort of tactically well-worked move. I do worry about Sheffield United, Matt, because they've now gone four games without getting a point. They scored their first goal, but there's not really much to write home about for Chris Wilder, who changed his defence again. Yeah, it's worrying, isn't it? Because they finished last season badly as well. I think they lost the last three of, of last season. Add the four in this season. That's seven games now without a point. Uh, don't score enough goals. It'd be interesting to see whether Rian Brewster will be the man that can do that for them. Um, but that's a, that's a major, major concern for them. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit worried for them uh, as well. You know, I was part of a team that, that did brilliantly in our first season in the Premier League. And then unfortunately got relegated in the second. I'm not saying that will happen to Sheffield United. It's too early to say that. But I'd be worried about them at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Um, with Sheffield United, their recruitment of Rian Brewster, £23 million. They seem to think that he's going to deliver. Um, are you as confident, Alex? 
I think the jury's still out. I suppose if you're trying to seek solace as a Sheffield United fan, you would say the fact that Jurgen Klopp has personally insisted on a buyback clause suggests that he rates him very highly. But at the moment, we know he can score goals in the Championship, but the Premier League is clearly going to be a step up. But I think it's the other end of the pitch that, that would concern me because obviously that fluidity in their defence was a, a hallmark of their success last season. They've lost I Jack O'Connell to long-term injury. Where are they going to replace him? Terence Congolo is the name that I keep hearing, but he didn't exactly rip it up when he was in the Premier League first time round with Huddersfield. Now, I think the key to their success last season was you sort of knew the 11 that Chris Wilder would send, send out week in, week out. They had a unity about them. They didn't suffer too many injuries. As soon as you start losing some key components... I think they've got big problems, and they've got Ampadu though, and they and he played last week, but they didn't select him this week. And I think you know if you're going to have a young player like that on loan and promise to play him, get him into the team, they didn't do too badly against Leeds United. Let's be honest, that was probably their best performance of the season so far. And then take him out of the team for this weekend. All of a sudden, his confidence is gone. You've changed the setup of the back three again, and if you keep making changes like that, in the end, no one's going to settle down and get that cohesiveness that they had last year. Okay, it's time for a little bit of dream team, or depending on who you support this week. I mean, there's a few dream team performances, but there's a few nightmare ones as well. Andrew Butler is here with us, and Ollie Watkins, I suppose, is absolutely buzzing tonight because he must have a huge number of points. Yeah, incredible performance really from him. Um, it will come of no surprise to anyone that he top scored um, uh, this weekend. 30 points for him, which moves him on to 49 points. Um, he's now the fourth top scoring player in the game overall as well, which is kind of quite quite fitting really, considering he was um, considering his performance and just how brilliant um, he was in just such a remarkable game of football. Hey, outstanding performance and what a wonderful guy as well he was really impressive I thought afterwards when he spoke um, Aston Villa as a team though have got some little gems in there haven't they I mean when you look at the, the way that Dean Smith has retoured that that side now there's a few that you could maybe cherry pick for a few upcoming games as well yeah, of course. I mean, Jack Grealish is, is always going to be the, the obvious choice. He's in the game at 3.6 million. He's selected by 14.7% of teams, which suggests that people obviously know, know about him uh, a fair amount. But even Emmy Martinez, who's got 21 points so far, he's playing a lot of games in, in all the competitions. John McGinn got 10 points this weekend, so he's got to, to 20 points and he's only been selected by 0.3% of uh, of sides and then it, I mean we, the last time we spoke Ross Barkley hadn't even signed for them and uh, <laughs> and he picked up eight points today so Villa are looking really just quite impressive and um, and there's certainly players that yeah that you could definitely pick up in your dream team uh, we haven't got a lot of time to go through everybody today so <laughs> I'll ask you who surprised you most this weekend and who who got the most points obviously Ollie Watkins got the most points this weekend but who got who got who, who's another one who got a lot of points where you didn't that you didn't expect them to pick up this weekend Potentially produce producer Lucy's team entirely. Can, what? Can we just move on to that? Really? Yeah. The, the, no, this is bad news. Yeah, this is this is the I think potentially the, the greatest surprise of the weekend. Oh dear. Um, she, she's got a, a lot of points this weekend. Yeah. Um, Fifty four because she had Shumin's um, son Harry Kane. Most Salah picked up obviously points because he scored a couple of goals. Um, Carl Walker Peters got seven, and um, huh. yeah, she's she, she's she's jumped. Uh, leading. She's leading out what? of all of us. She's leading. Now. Yeah, she was like two thousand behind us. us the other day. 
She's she's gone up to one thousand six hundred eighty-fourth, up from four thousand nine hundred twenty-first. You're doing very well still, Sam. You've got two hundred and three points. Um, you're up again this week. Oh, there's only four um, in it between and me and Luce. Let's just say I, I need to go away and think about what I've done. Have you taken your eye because off the I've board? moved. I've moved down to three thousand one hundred seventy-ninth, down from six hundred sixteenth. Um, and Ben Chilwell was the only player who scored me points this weekend. Oh dear, oh dear, Andrew! All I can say is, it is your job. That's your catchphrase. Uh, 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 Alex, have you got a question for for Andrew? <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, Andrew's the only manager in the country who's had a worse weekend than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Jurgen Klopp. On that note, <laughs> who was the highest point scorer for Manchester United on Sunday? Um, well, it was Bruno Fernandes w- once again because he scored. The, the penalty um, but I think this is potentially a sign of Man United's season so far um, obviously Dream Team takes into account all of the games from from every competition but after um, playing three games in the Premier League their top scoring um, player on Dream Team is Juan Mata with 23 points because he picked up points wow. in the, the League Cup I think that's interesting though because when you think about playing Dream Team in the future over the next few weeks think about those Tottenham players that are going to play in the Europa League think about mm. those Arsenal players that are going to play in the Europa League because I think some of them will pick up uh, some big points Andrew thank you very much thank you very much Sam Wolverhampton Wanderers beat Fulham by a goal to nil. Scott Parker's team, again, in the same sort of situation as Burnley and Sheffield United, without point on the board uh, as of yet. Um, Wolves, they laboured to it, really. They weren't particularly great. They conceded a, a, a great chance in the second half, which Camera should have put away, didn't. Um, I think uh, Ariola made a, a big double save in that first half as well, which could have led to a, a bigger Wolves victory. But 1-0 was about right. I suppose for Nuno Espirito Santo, Matt, it was about getting back on the horse and getting three points on the board again because they'd themselves suffered three defeats in a row going into the game. Yeah, and thrashed by West Ham as well. A record you know, Premier League defeat for them, yeah. Exactly. You know, it wasn't just a, be- a defeat. It was a hammering as well by, by West Ham. So uh, they did need to get back and, and get the three points. And... and keep a clean sheet because that's something that they were so good at I mean the good news for, for Wolves this week is the uh, the contracts really for Connor Cody and Raul Jimenez Yeah, I think that's the, that's the big news coming out of Wolves this week yes the three points are important but that, that was good business as well wasn't it for them especially Jimenez because there has been talk maybe Manchester United maybe Juventus but he's so ruthless because he's not a striker who actually gets too many chances created for him but the ones that he does get by and large he, he sticks in the back of the net I think that was a, a significant win for Wolves because they're a bit shell-shocked after what happened against West Ham United so the clean sheet will please Nuno Espirito Santo I think some bookmakers have already paid out on Fulham being relegated and you have to say <laughs> when you look at their team and you look it's at the harsh. performances I can't see them staying up and I know we're four games into the season and you know I love a bold prediction but I think yeah. they are the one team at the moment that you can see destined for an immediate return to the championship okay can we get a big foghorn here because this is the moment that crook has been waiting for all week because when manchester united lose especially badly he has to remind us that he is in love with ralph harsenhutl and southampton did get all three points today uh, so you and big ralph can go off to Oktoberfest together enjoy a big stein do a bit oh, of umpa dancing yeah you would love that look at you you're so excited about even the thought of it uh, tell us about why they did so well today Well, it's back-to-back wins in the Premier League. Uh, Not easy to come by, especially in this crazy season so far. And back-to-back clean sheets as well. Back-to-back clean sheets with the gargantuan Yannick Vestergaard. Do you know what? The good news for Southampton is 
They've won a game, they've scored two goals, and Danny Ings hasn't scored. Absolutely. That is that is the big news for them because they've been so reliant. If there's any team that's reliant on a, on a man that's get their goals for them, it's Southampton and Danny Ings. So for them to win without him scoring, that's a big plus for them. Well, the last nine goals actually in the league had been scored by either Danny Ings or Che Adams, and, and, and both of them missed chances on the day. One of them, uh, Ings, was prevented by what was a spectacular save by Sam Johnston early in the game. But the fact that Romeo scored a goal was not only a collector's item, but it was an absolute peach of an effort as well. First goal in 43 matches, I think, in the Premier League for Oriol Romeo. I can't believe you're telling me that Shea Adams has missed a chance. That doesn't sound like Shea Adams at all. Uh, <laughs> but Matt's exactly right. They do need to take the goal-scoring burden away from Danny Ings. I think Romeo said that in his uh, post-match press conference. If they can keep Musa Gineppo fit, and it's oh. a big if because he missed more games than he played last season, he is uh, a genuine rough diamond, I think. Unpredictable. I'm not convinced sometimes that he knows what he's going to do with the ball, let alone the opposition. But there is a talent in there. He's been compared by some Saints fans to Sadio Mane maybe you can see the comparison yeah I mean that's probably going a little bit over the top because he's not as polished as Sadio Mane and he certainly hasn't got the pedigree of, of Sadio Mane who turned up with all already having had a, a decent career uh, in Austria but let, let, let's just talk about Gineppo because that goal that he scored was impressive and in the first half against Tottenham two weeks ago I thought he played particularly well and caused all sorts of problems for Doherty in the first sort of 20-30 minutes of that game Matt a big fan of him, actually. I, 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 you know, watching him last year, even some of the goals that he scored. I think I was at Brighton when he bent one in, mm. um, and he, and he, you know, at times he does things. You think, wow, there's a real player here. You know, obviously you're looking for consistency and you want him to do it on a more regular basis. And but he, there's there's real ability there. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of his, and I'm looking forward to seeing him. You know, playing like that on a more regular basis. I think. Okay, let's open uh, Crookie's contacts book and uh, have a look at what sort of deals we might expect from transfer deadline day. Obviously, by the time you listen to this podcast, it may well be that some of these deals have happened, denied, medicals failed. Uh, Edison Cavani and Alex Telles might well have just told their plane to turn around and go back home uh, because of what they saw at Old Trafford. So uh, things can change. But what are you expecting? If there was three signings you were expected to happen on deadline day, apart from Cavani and Telles, which we know all about, what would they be, Crook? Antonio Rudiger is an interesting one because Tottenham are pressing for that deal. I believe there's a split in the uh, Chelsea ranks in that Frank Lampard has made it pretty clear that he's down the pecking order, but the board would like to keep him in the building. Whether they would be willing to do business with the top four rival is open to conjecture. I believe AC Milan and Barcelona are also lurking, so I would certainly keep an eye on that one. Uh, we know that West Ham United need a new central defender. Craig Dawson is the latest name that I've been hearing. I was at Reading against Watford at the weekend. Mm. It was made pretty clear to me by my sources at Watford that he is surplus to requirements there. So perhaps that's a deal that can get done as well. One deal that won't be happening is Hussam Auer because he played for Lyon against Marseille on mm. Sunday night. That is a blow for Mikel Arteta. Cavani, obviously, as you mentioned, is going to go through and Tellez. And I believe Manchester United are also in for another uh, Uruguayan, um, an 18-year-old who is very highly rated. Is this the winger um, from Penarol? It is. £10 million release clause in his contract, which I believe uh, Manchester United have activated. So again, that could be uh, an arrival that will happen under the radar. I mentioned already Sheffield United uh, are pressing for a deal for Terence Congola. I think they're reasonably confident uh, of completing that. There will be a bit of a scramble because Spurs need a central defender and Skriniar isn't going to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are one or two shock signings. 
between now and 11 o'clock on Monday night. What about you, Matt? Is there anything that you think oh, could happen? And is there going to be a Peter Rodden wingy where uh, Antonio Rudiger gets into a cab, turns up at the Spurs training ground and says, let me in, Josie, let me in. Do you know what? With the start that we've seen to this Premier League season and some of the mad results, <laughs> yeah. it, it wouldn't surprise me to see something stupid happen tomorrow. Maybe I'll come out of retirement and sign for someone. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds updates on talk sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Jorginho is about to take his second penalty of the match. He runs up to the ball, strokes it into the same corner with the same hop, skip and a jump into the execution. Chelsea lead by four goals to nil. Everton four, Brighton two. This is no false dawn. Everton at top of the Premier League table. They have the division's top scorer in Dominic Calvert-Lewin and a player who would grace any top side in the world in James Rodriguez. Everton four, Brighton two. And Mike Dean has blown the full-time whistle on a satisfied between Bielsa and Guardiola. Leeds United 1, Manchester City 1. It's Callum Wilson who will step up as the whistle goes. Here he comes, right-footed and just dinks it down the middle. That's a striker full of confidence. And Callum Wilson has his second and may well be taking the points. It's Newcastle 3, Burnley 1. Saturday evening saw the Philosopher's Derby. Pep Guardiola against Bielsa. No two people have been matched in the same sort of vein since René and Renata in 1982 when they sung a duet, Save Your Love. Um, those two obviously are, well, they might as well just go and get involved in a civil partnership. They love each other that much. Uh, but the, uh, the the game was uh, the, the game was one of the best football matches I've seen all season. I mean, sometimes you to have a great uh, football match, you need goals, goals, goals. But ultimately... Even though there wasn't as much goal mouth action as maybe we had in the Liverpool game, I arguably thought it was a better game because of the way Leeds reacted to being so dominated in the first 15 minutes. Went from 34 possession to 66 possession within a blink of an eye. I just thought it was a really brilliant 
competitive match for a team that were in the championship last season and let's be honest haven't got the best players they haven't got the best players they don't spend millions and millions on each and every position to work out a system a tactical plan and framework to get the the maximum out of the bodies they've got in the building is very very impressive Matt Looks like a great result for Man City now. <laughs> it does. After, after, after what we've seen. Day, yeah. After what we've just seen, it looks like a great result. Honestly, it was it was a great game. It was chaos. It was that you can't take your eyes off Leeds. Mm. The way they go at teams. It's it's brilliant. I know you're right, Man City first 20 minutes. They, I thought they, they were going to blow them away. I thought you yeah, City are going to win this comfortably. But the way they clawed the way back into it, we didn't just claw the way back into it. Had a right go. They fought their way back into the game. They 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 fought their way. That's exactly what it is. You you know, this is a team that that we're going to enjoy watching all season. We are because they 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 just have a go no matter what. And what what the attacking numbers? It's it's just they their fitness levels. You know, we've just talked a little bit about the levels of where teams are at. I'll tell you where Leeds are. They are one of the fittest teams, if not they, the fittest, in are, the yeah. Premier League. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk about I, I, Liverpool and their relentless pressing and Man City's relentless pressing. This Leeds team do it as well. And then, you know, they're up and back and up and back. They are brilliant. I tweeted on uh, Saturday night, you know, how is a team with, with all due respect, Luke Aileen at right back and Stuart Dallas at, at left back or in midfield, wherever he happens to play him, because he'll use him anywhere, by the way. He's played in about 15 different positions, apart from goalkeeper, over the course of the last year. Um, become such a good competitive team against Liverpool away and Manchester City at home? Well, I don't know the answer, but I'm guessing that one of them is they have to be the best tactically informed team. They have to be the fittest team. Now, whether that comes back to haunt them like it did in the first year of Bielsa and they drop off at the end is a different matter. But they're only playing 38 games this season. They're already out of the Carabao Cup. So they're, they're not going to be overcommitted in terms of minutes on the pitch. It's got to be applauded, the fact that this team have got themselves into that zone. And Bielsa has to be um, eulogised because he because he's got a team that fit and others haven't managed to do it. Obviously, that will sort of show up maybe one or two other coaches at the top end of the table, but it just should be praised. And Pep said that actually after the game. You know, it says, this is what you can do with a team if you really want to do it. He's absolutely right. I I think the the really good managers can get a tune out of their team that is greater than the sum of their parts. And certainly Bielsa has done that with Leeds. If you look at the the squad, Ailing was bombed out by Arsenal as a youngster mm. Cooper the captain was questioned even by Leeds fans in League One whether he was good enough and here he is excelling in the Premier League Patrick Bamford we've documented already as you say the fact they've managed to go toe to toe with both Manchester City and Liverpool and swat aside a Sheffield United team who did really well last season just shows the unity he's got the character in the group they're, they're, they're running the, the extra yard and I think they're in for a great season Leeds I really I do I don't think we're giving them enough credit for the way they play as well. Mm. You know, yes, their fitness levels, and yes, they get about the pitch. But this is a team that can play. I watched them at Arsenal last season in the FA Cup, and I thought, wow. This, the yeah. First half, they were unbelievable. Outstanding. Passed Arsenal off the pitch. Arsenal never had a kick. Um, I will also give credit to the manager for the fact that they'll play a system, they'll keep to a system or, or, or an ethos of play, a, a modus operandi, and when Jack Harrison, who's been arguably one of their most creative players, isn't available, they'll switch him out, bring in Alioski, and the result will be the same. Alioski's not as creative as Jack Harrison. You can understand why Harrison's in ahead of him, but he does the same role. He knows the job. He understands what's required of him, and he delivers. 
Chelsea beat Crystal Palace by four goals to nil on Saturday lunchtime live on TalkSport. Let's hear from their record signing, Kai Havertz, an exclusive interview where he talks about settling in at Stamford Bridge. I suppose it's important at this stage of the season to get three points on the board, but did it feel like a statement victory today? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, the, the win is very important for us. Um, I think we, we get more comfortable on the pitch. We are very confident today and um, I think the first half was uh, very difficult for us because they all were stuck in their own half. Um, but yeah, the second half was uh, better and we played good, scored four goals. and. Um, yeah, I think it gives us a lot of confidence. It's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot has been made about how much Chelsea have spent on the likes of yourself and Timo and others as well, Ben and Thiago obviously coming in to the team. But it takes a little bit of a while, does it, to find those connections between all of you because of the lack of pre-season? Yeah, of course. I think a lot of players uh, like me, they, they didn't have a pre-season and uh, a lot of players came new and um, it takes always like maybe a month um, where everybody settled in nice. Um, I think it's difficult for players to come in another country, for young players as well. But um, I think now we all settled uh, in very good and I hope um, that uh, the next weeks and months uh, um, will be like that today. How are you finding adapting to the Premier League? Have you noticed any differences <laughs> between the Bundesliga and this division? Yeah, um, I think it's uh, very different. Uh, it's. it's uh, a lot of uh, running in the Premier League, very aggressive. Um, I think in the Bundesliga, when you um, play against lower teams, uh, sometimes it's uh, more easier to play against them. But here, when you play against like teams, maybe uh, like last week West Bromwich or Brist, uh, Brighton in the first um, game, they they can play very good football. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, very different to Germany. Uh, I think that's the reason. Um, that some players uh, need a little bit of time to adapt. But um, yeah, I'm very confident uh, that the next weeks will be, will be good for us. I did the game uh, for TalkSport, as you know. Um, I think the main takeaway is, is that Chelsea needed that time to develop and integrate and become a team. As Kai's saying there, you know, it's so hard in the Premier League for players who haven't played in it before. They think they're going to play against a team like Brighton who just about survived against relegation. And when they turn up against them, it's actually 10 times harder than it would be of a similar or equivalent fixture in Germany as an example so I think you know now we've had the first three or four games they've started to get to know each other they'll get there they'll feel as if they're further along the line and I think we saw a bit of that in the second half in that game against Crystal Palace but there's still a lot of work uh, to do Let's talk about Everton because Dominic Calvert-Lewin is scoring again. They've won by four goals to two. They're top of the table, Matt Holland. Now, is this beyond the realms of possibility that Everton could challenge for the league title this season? Because certainly that would sound ridiculous, audacious, ambitious, Leicester 2016-esque if they were to do it. But is it possible? In 2020-21, in the current climate, is it, is, is, it a, is it an ambition that they should hold? I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I, I, in, in the maddest of maddest seasons of what we're seeing so far, who knows? But what I would say, for a team to win the league, they're going to have to defend better than Everton have done. So, yes, they've been good going forward. Yes, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been outstanding. James Rodriguez has been great. Jordan Pickford's thrown a few in. They are a bit open defensively. You can get at them. Not quite strong enough, in my view, to win the title. But I'll tell you what, they're going to be good to watch. We said that Leeds are going to be good to watch. This Everton team are going to be good to watch as well. Great going forward. He's, he seems to have sorted out. 
his midfield problem, albeit he's got a couple of injury problems now. But but going forward, they're going to be a good, fun team to watch. James Rodriguez has fitted in seamlessly to the Premier League. Does it make a mockery of some of the other more experienced players that come into the league and say, it's oh, brilliant. I need a bit more time to get, get used to it? Ancelotti was brilliant after the game because they asked him that same question. Are you surprised how quickly he's settled into the Premier League? No. He said, he's a quality player. He said, football pitches are all the same size. The goals are all the same size. They don't move. He said, it's 11 versus 11. Good players can adapt. As Jose Mourinho will tell you, though, not all goals are the same size. (laughs) (laughs) He has done very well, and his link-up play with um, Dominic Cavett-Lewin is excellent. I did think it was Alex Iwobi getting involved in this celebration when they scored their third goal, and he was right in there. Alex Alex Iwobi can't believe he's lucky. He's like sitting there with with all these great players that have come into Everton over the course of the last year, and he's a big part of it. He's thinking, well, I've made the right choice here. Luca Dean turned up as well and was out of time. He, he, he turned uh, up late. That was and brilliant. He, was, he didn't know where he was, did he? He was the all American, over the show. The, uh, the, the Maracanar, the Macarena celebration where they're all doing the dance. There were certainly some there who had practiced and had got a bit of rhythm about them and there were others who hadn't got a clue. They were dad dancing. Do you know what, though? The fact they're doing that celebration in an empty stadium with no fans to play to just sums up the mood in the Everton camp. You can see they're playing with a smile on their faces. I think Carlo Ancelotti, from what we know, is a pretty relaxed manager. As long as his players do the job for them on a Saturday afternoon or a Tuesday night, they're pretty much allowed to go about their business. And and when we talk about Leicester, man for man, this Everton team is probably better than the Leicester team that won the Premier League title. Defensively, you're right, they have got issues, but Mason Holgate, arguably their best defender last season, is still to come back in. And James Rodriguez has made a mockery of those of us who are saying, well, is he the same player that, that burst onto the scene of the World Cup for Columbia? He certainly is. Uh, we talked about transfers, and one that has happened is Moyes Keane going on loan to Paris Saint-Germain. Does that leave them possibly a little bit short of cover for Dominic Calvert-Lewin? They've got um, young Anthony Gordon, who they quite like. They've got still got. Have they still got Cenk Toshin? Is he still on the books? I think he still is. I think he is. Yeah. Um, Theo Walker. They haven't moved on yet either. So they have got other attacking options, not necessarily the ones that Carlo Ancelotti would say was first choice. But they've got other players there that can play that that role. But they, they, they've just been an, uh, absolutely brilliant to watch. And I think Carlo Ancelotti is proving what a good manager he is and I'm sure that the Everton fans will continue to get a a, a rich amount of entertainment out of their team for the course of the season to come Uh, the last game that we haven't looked at yet is Newcastle versus Burnley surprisingly there were four goals in this game Uh, and that's how balmy the weekend was that there were four goals in a game involving Newcastle and Burnley Um, Newcastle up until the point that they scored their I think when they scored their first goal they'd had something like four shots on target in the Premier League all season and scored all four shots on target. Um, that sort of underscores why, despite winning a few games already this season, there's a few people still going, I'm not entirely sure about this 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 team. Yeah, they're still not particularly pleasing on the eye. They are attritional. But I think what we're seeing is um, Callum Wilson, a player who is determined not to let Gareth Southgate forget about him because, of course, Calvert-Lewin is banging goals for fun. Danny Ings has moved ahead of him in the pecking order. Tammy Abraham still scores goals as well. But Callum Wilson is someone who's got a fierce desire to be on that plane for the European Championships. And I've got to say, we're seeing the Callum Wilson now that at the peak of his powers help keep Bournemouth in the Premier League. And I think the partnership between him and Alan Sam Maximan 
could be very exciting for Newcastle. Yeah, Matt, it's all about keeping Sam Maximan fit, though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's you know a real live wire and someone that can you know, work that bit of magic when you, in tight games when you need someone to do something special, he can do that. Just one player who, who I I think deserves a mention as well um, is John Joe Shelby. I think I think the form that he's shown as well, you know, deep line midfield player, but someone who's got that range of passing. And when he's got someone like Callum Wilson who wants to play on the shoulder. He's got the ability to play that ball over the top to him as well. So he's someone I think that deserves credit for his start to the season as well. Uh, Matt, thank you very much. Enjoyed your company this evening. Pleasure. See you soon. Uh, the crookie, uh, we'll see you throughout the day on Monday, which is deadline day. And uh, we'll be back on Friday to review England's performance against uh, Wales in the Friendly, which is live on TalkSport on Thursday night. And look back at the transfer window and all the completed deals with Darren Lewis, the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror. Until then, be safe, keep calm, carry on. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 